0: Tere and welcome to History of Estonia podcast episode 35 The economy of the 1920s Well we are back to our historical timeline of Estonian history following the book History of Estonia written by Tonu Tõnberg, Ain Metsalu Tonis Lukas Mati Lauer and Ago Paier Estonia is finally independent having fought for and won this right. In this episode, we cover in basic terms how the Estonian economy struggled to find its way after depending on the huge, outdated Russian market for centuries to sell its goods, as most trading between the countries ceased. Estonia develops its own currency and the government implements land reforms to encourage Estonians to farm their own land a dream that had gone unrealized for many Estonians. I've had a trend recently of listeners reaching out to say hello, and in most cases, these have been people with Estonian ancestry that don't speak their native tongue, but are curious about their history and ancestry. This is quite satisfying to me personally, since you are part of the limited group of people I imagine would benefit from an Estonian history podcast. I hope by listening to this podcast, you become more intrigued by your Estonian ancestry, and hopefully it will encourage some to develop new ties to this wonderful and unusual place. The Economy of the 1920s Estonia had been one of the best-developed regions of the Russian Empire due to its favorable location at the crossroads of Russia and Europe. New modern European production technologies, equipment, and specialists arrived there first. The closeness of the huge Russian market allowed for the development of extensive industrial agricultural production. At the same time, the situation of being tightly bound to Russia meant a dependence of the Estonian economy on the Eastern market. The raw materials needed by large enterprises were imported from the East and the majority of their output went back there. The estate economy, which had become outdated from a world perspective long before, could survive in Estonia due to the indulgent eastern market consuming timber, spirits, and milk produced by the estates. When Estonia became independent, its role as a bridge between Europe and Russia decreased, and the Russian market and sources of raw materials diminished. Economic indicators, which had been high in the context of Russia, were low when compared to European countries. Estonian production did not compete well with European goods. Besides, as a consequence of the wars and revolution, the local economy had become partly disabled. The evacuation and liquidation of industrial enterprises located in Estonia Started in 1915. First, they were taken to Russia, then in 1918 to Germany. The degeneration of agriculture was mainly caused by the fact that the men capable of work had been recruited and draft animals were requisitioned. The amount of arable land and the number of cattle had sharply decreased. The monetary system had to be created from scratch. Several currencies were were simultaneously in circulation in Estonia. Russian rubles, German marks, and Finnish marks. The Estonian mark, which had been introduced in 1919, was initially an unstable currency, and its reliability was undermined by continuing inflation. During the War of Independence, Estonia incurred extensive foreign liabilities. The total sum Estonia owed to the United States of America, Great Britain, France and Finland were 5 billion marks. The size of the state budget in 1920. The 15 million golden rubles received from the Soviet Russia according to the Tartu Peace Treaty were not sufficient to cover these liabilities. The wartime contraction of the economy was followed by an extensive economic recovery. At first, hopes were entertained of restoring the previous structure of the economy and developing ties with Russia. The latter seemed to be justified in the light of the political situation of 1920 to 22, when Estonia became the main economic channel between Europe and Soviet Russia. In these years, Estonia received extensive state orders from Russia. The number of industrial enterprises grew rapidly, increasing from 2900 in 1920 to 3700 in 1924. Compared to the previous ones, these factories employed much smaller number of workers. The process was accelerated by the shortage of all sorts of goods on the Estonian market. Therefore, a number of small factories were established in Estonia to meet the needs of the local population in order to establish enterprises loans were used preferably those given by the national financial establishment of the bank of estonia estipunk with expected profits in mind everybody who expressed a wish to take out a loan received credit by 1924 the bank of estonia had lent 6 billion marks Often the authors of rather dubious business plans or even swindlers were guaranteed a loan. Soon it became clear that the great expectations of an industrial breakthrough in Estonia had been exaggerated. At the end of 1922, Soviet Russia closed its markets to Estonian goods and cancelled all earlier orders. Estonia was not able to sell its goods which were produced using outdated equipment and technology to Western Europe. Products began to accumulate in stores. Some factories were forced to restrict production, and some had to close down. The domestic market also proved to be too small, and many enterprises sharing a profile competed with each other to the death. In the second half of 1923, The economic situation became critical in Estonia. The Bank of Estonia had given more credit than it could afford, and it appeared very difficult to reclaim the money from the debtors. In order to prevent major bankruptcies, the Bank of Estonia was forced to allow even more new credits. To create extra money, more notes were printed. The exchange rate of the mark which by this time had stabilized, started to fall again. The government suggested the Bank of Estonia should utilize its gold reserves. By the start of 1924, out of the 15 million gold rubles received from Russia, only 2.5 million were left. It became clear that the economic policy adopted had brought the state to a dead end. The Estonian economy needed a thorough reorganization. In rural areas, one of the most radical agrarian reforms in Europe was in progress. According to the agrarian laws passed by the Constituent Assembly on 10th of October 1919, more than 1,039 manors were nationalized, covering an area of 2.3 million hectares or 5.8 million acres. The forest and swamps mainly remained state-owned, while fields grassland and pastures were given to new homestead farms. In addition to the already existing 52,000 owned farms and 23,000 farms rented by the farmers, 56,000 new homestead farms were created. This abolished the sharp social division in rural areas. An extensive class of property small farmers appeared and the proportion of a paid workforce among the rural population decreased from 60% to 17%. As well as the land, all agricultural equipment and livestock of the manors were nationalized. These were not sufficient, though, to supply all the new farmers, so they had to cope mainly on their own. In rural areas, new dwellings, stables, and sheds were built. In some places, even whole new villages were built. The initial hardships were made easier to overcome by the very rich crop of 1921, and of course, by the realization of the wish which had been living in the hearts of Estonians for centuries, to have their own land to farm. Even the initiators of the reform were surprised by its success. Initially, they had been afraid that it would take more time and effort to bring the new farms into operation. The reform of the economy started in the spring of 1924, when Otto Strondmann took up the post of finance minister. The new economic policy introduced by him meant first and foremost bringing the external account of the country into balance. To achieve this, state expenditures was cut, imports were restricted, exports were increased, and obtaining loans was made more complicated. In addition to these steps, the preferential development of industry was brought to an end. The most important branch of the economy became agriculture. Although implementation of the new economic policy initially created complications, and the crisis appeared even to be exaggerated, the chosen direction proved to be the right one. The second half of the decade could be considered as years of normal economic prosperity. In the second half of the 1920s, the national interest in and support for agriculture grew. In order to support agriculture, the Land Bank, or Ma Punk, was established, which mainly financed the creation of homestead farms. The number of livestock increased rapidly surpassing the pre-war level of 1925. To be able to buy modern but expensive agricultural machinery, farmers created a huge number of cooperative societies for sharing machinery. Restructuring of agricultural production took place. The leading position was still occupied by animal breeding, but beef cattle and fattened pigs which had been taken to the market of St. Petersburg, were replaced by dairy cattle and bacon pigs. Estonian butter and bacon found a welcome niche on the markets of Great Britain and Germany in the middle of the 1920s. In connection with the increasing importance of animal breeding, more attention was paid to growing fodder crops, and their acreage grew considerably. This was mainly done by restricting potato farming. There was no previous demand for spirits produced from potatoes. To some extent, grain production also increased, but the majority of it was imported in the 1920s. The shortcomings of agriculture were a considerable share of manual labor, a low level of mechanization and a shortage of pedigree animals and certified seed. Electricity had practically not reached the rural areas at this time. The large number of farms could also be considered a drawback because it split up landed property. One third of the farms were less than 10 hectares in an area and their owners had to look for extra income to allow their farms to survive. The large enterprises, which had been established to serve the interests of the Russian Empire, and were not suitable for a small state like Estonia, were liquidated. Instead, new smaller enterprises and even new branches of industry were established. Factories relying on raw materials found in Estonia were preferred. Thus, a native fuel industry developed, based on mining of indigenous oil shale. In addition, the peat industry was expanded and the two together enabled the end of the uneconomic destruction of forests and the extremely expensive import of coal. The mining of oil shale also laid the foundations of the local chemical industry. At first, mainly oil was produced from the shale, but soon other products were added. Production of phosphoric increased. In Tallinn, a Galilith factory, which is a predecessor of plastic, was established, which was remarkable even in a European context. Timber, which was plentiful in Estonia, was used by timber industry enterprises, sawmills, match factories, furniture works, as well as by cellulose and paper mills. To produce agricultural products, numerous dairies, slaughterhouses, and other food industry enterprises were established. Many factories that had previously produced for the Russian market re-specialized on satisfying the needs of the domestic market. Thus, engineering plants started to produce agricultural equipment, heating devices, furniture, and road-building machinery. Enterprises producing building materials supplied new buildings with bricks, cement, window glass, and wooden constructions. Compared to the Russian era, the level of industrial development remained somewhat low in the 1920s. Several enterprises remained closed, and many worked at less than full capacity. This was because many enterprises could not find a market for their production. The quality and cost of the completed production did not allow successful competition in Western Europe. Unemployment was still remained. A great social problem. In order to avoid the reoccurrence of the crisis that had devastated Estonia in 1923 and 1924, monetary reforms were carried out on the initiative of the finance minister Leo Sepp. Through the medium of the League of Nations, Estonia managed to get a foreign loan worth 28 million krones from British banks. With the help of this money, the monetary and banking systems of the Estonian Republic was rearranged. On the 1st of January, 1928, a new unit of currency, the krone, was equal to 100 marks, went into circulation. It was pegged to the Swedish krona and guaranteed by a reserve. Simultaneously, the Bank of Estonia stopped granting credits, and the new bank, for long-term loans, was opened for that purpose. And this is where we will leave our timeline for now. We have been moving really quickly through Estonia's long history. Now that we are covering the 20th century, we will slow our pace down and cover this era in more detail. In the next episode, we will cover Estonia's foreign policy in the 1920s. And we may or may not get into the Great Depression and how a global financial crisis affected Estonians in the late 1920s. If you would like to reach out to me, you can email me at sparsleyw at gmail.com. You can interact via the History of Estonia's Facebook page, or you can follow me on Twitter. I do not, however, use Twitter as an official platform for this podcast, and I tweet about things that interest me personally which of course does often relate to Estonia. So, until we meet next time, Nagamiseni.